dedicated to the survival of American democracy in an increasingly dangerous world, this is Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney, acted as Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy under President Ronald Reagan, founder of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., the go-to man for defense and foreign policy issues, joined by the greatest minds in the security policy business, the special forces in the war of ideas at Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Gaffney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. I have been impressed for decades by the uncommon intelligence, the extraordinary productivity, and the great courage of our first guest. His name is Robert Spencer. He is no stranger to these microphones, needless to say. He is the author of dozens of books, including most recently, one I'm proud to say, it's a product of the Center for Security Policy Press, entitled Islamophobia and the Threat to Free Speech. Robert is a senior fellow of the Center for Security Policy. He is also the director of an absolutely indispensable online resource, jihadwatch.org, a production of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. He is always a welcome guest here, especially today, on the occasion of a stunning news item that we wanted to get his take on. Robert Spencer, welcome back to Secure Freedom Radio. Always good to talk to you, Frank. Thank you. Well, the pleasure is truly mine. Let me ask you about this report that you feature in a post yesterday. It talks about an unbelievable ruling by a Texas judge. Um, Her name is uh, Andrea Thompson. Concerning a woman's right to be divorced in the United States pursuant to U.S. law. What did Judge Thompson say about that matter? Well, what is very strange about this case is that she ordered a Muslim woman who was wanting a divorce to go through arbitration, not through the ordinary arbitration channel, but through essentially a Sharia court. And this is because she had signed an Islamic prenuptial agreement saying that everything regarding the marriage would go through Sharia law. But now she said, this is Miriam Awad, uh, who is Ayad, who is trying to get the divorce, that she signed it under duress, actually didn't know what she was signing, was fooled, tricked into signing it. But the judge just brushed that aside, didn't take it into account at all and said that she had to submit to the Sharia tribunal. This is all the more extraordinary, given that you would think a female judge would be particularly attentive to the implications for a Muslim woman to have three men in an arbitration panel governed by Sharia law adjudicating this matter. Um, Talk a little bit, Robert, for the uninitiated, about what that is likely to mean for this woman, and most especially for her rights in America under U.S. law, which is, after all, intended to be the supreme law of the land, our constitution and what flows from it. This is a complete trampling of her rights under U.S. law, because under Sharia, the man uh, and the husband in this case has all the cards, has entire control. Uh, she can only get the divorce if he agrees, if the court agrees that it's justified. 
And that's on the basis of her testimony, which is devalued in relation to the testimony of her husband. So she's only worth what uh, half of the uh, value of a man. Is that right? That's right. And that's based on the Quran and is enshrined in Sharia. So she's got the card stacked against her in the first place. There also are all the disquieting reports coming out of Britain's Sharia courts, where many, many times women who were uh, subjected to domestic abuse were told by the Sharia courts to go back to their husbands and try to please him more fervently uh, instead of being referred to the British courts for the violence. And this is because the Quran and Sharia allow for a man to beat disobedient women. Consequently, uh, this is not a court in which Miriam Ayad has any reason to expect equal justice, uh, not even remotely. Yeah, well, equal justice under American law, again, which is uh, something to which she is entitled here. And, and Robert, I guess this makes the larger point, which you have documented so impressively in so many of your books, about the inherent character of Sharia. It is not adhered to by all Muslims, I think it must be said, but those who follow what is described by the authorities of the faith as the authoritative version of the faith are obliged to follow its dictates. And they are horrifically misogynistic, among other things. Uh, they're not... <laughs> They're not so good for others, uh, for that matter, um, but uh, most especially for women. And it's just mind-boggling that um, a, an American jurist would see fit to do this. But in your piece, you remind us that there have been, and we've been involved in some of them, efforts to ensure that Sharia is not allowed to trump American law uh, in state legislatures across the country. And uh, some have adopted such legislation, some have not. But the importance of it is certainly underscored by this episode, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Because all those efforts, whether they were successful or not, were met with charges of Islamophobia. It was charged that, is, that Sharia was completely compatible with American constitutional law, with the idea of the equality of rights of all people before the law. And those who were pushing the anti-Sharia measures were accused of basic racism and bigotry and Islamophobia. They didn't want Sharia in the country just because they disliked Muslims and they disliked Muslims just because Muslims were brown and they were racist. That was the line. And it went all over the country. It was trumpeted by the establishment media for years. Now we're seeing in the case of Maryam Ayad, and there will be many others after this, that Sharia really is not compatible with American law. It disadvantages women in numerous ways. And this is an American citizen. She deserves her rights under American law, and her case ought to be adjudicated solely by American law. And this indicates the, da the danger that bringing Sharia into American courts poses for women and for others. Yeah. Well, I pray that uh, she is successful in her appeal. And um, heaven help this country if she's not, because there will be a lot more of this here, as you say, not just in Britain and elsewhere, but here. Robert, let me turn uh, to another example of, uh, apparently, misogyny on a 
rather significant scale inside an organization that uh, both of us have decried for many years. Um, Both of us have been, of course, attacked by relentlessly, but um, that I think is now being exposed by one of its own employees, a former employee, uh, namely the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Uh, Remind us um, what this group is, first off, and what's the latest evidence that behind the curtain, as you describe it, uh, is a deeply, deeply problematic outfit. Well, Frank, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, or CARE, is, of course, the organization, the main Muslim organization in the United States, the one that gets most of the attention. It's the media's go-to organization when they need a Muslim to comment on whatever news item is at hand. They claim to be the nation's largest Muslim civil rights organization, but have demonstrable links verified by the Justice Department itself to Hamas and to the Muslim Brotherhood. A designated terrorist organization in the first instance, and one that should be designated here as such an organization, right? Precisely. And the Muslim Brotherhood, of course, according to the infamous captured internal documents that the Center for Security Policy has done such important work to expose, is uh, dedicated in its own words to eliminating and destroying Western civilization from within and sabotaging its miserable house. When you look at CARE's record, it seems very clear that that's what they're up to because everything they do seems to be designed to uh, foster division in American society, to weaken the cohesiveness of American society, to weaken counterterror efforts, and so on. Uh, I, I couldn't think of a better way to sabotage the miserable house of Western civilization than what CARE has been doing for over two decades now. Insidiously inside the wire, especially under the uh, Obama administration, and I think this one. Um, just very quickly, this uh, employee, former employee now, Lori Soroya, uh, has been sued by CARE for defamation. And evidently, what she is, uh, is the kind of information about the culture of misogyny, as she calls it, and uh, dishonesty and misleading donors and a host of other things, including uh, efforts to silence its critics that are, as I say, very, very troubling. Robert, we're going to have you back on to talk about this further and uh, much more in the very near future, if we may. But thank you for your time today and for all the great work you do, and including this uh, brilliant new pre-publication success of your updated version of Did Muhammad Exist? Congratulations on it rising, I gather, to the number one rank um, even before it's available. And uh, we look forward to talking with you about that when it is. Thank you so much for joining us today. Come back to us again soon, if you would. Next up, we'll speak with former Assistant Secretary of State Robert Destro about jihad in Nigeria, what it will mean for all of us right after this. Visit us at facebook.com slash securefreedom with Frank Gaffney.